0: Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One quick message before I start the show. You can find all the links and resources for this episode by visiting the show notes on RickyRichards.com. If you enjoy this episode, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can help me to grow the show by leaving a review on iTunes. For anyone who does subscribe, review or share, thank you. I appreciate it. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to Ricky Richards Represents, the show where I talk tips for success with leading figures of creativity and innovation. Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you once again for joining the show. My guest today has been described as possessing effortless cool with just about the right amount of geek and enough ambition that it borders on insanity. Kirk Truman is the founder and editor of Journal, a collection of magazines that exclusively look into the goings on of people and businesses in some of London's mini cultural villages. With Fitzrovia, Bloomsbury and Soho already launched and Mayfair on the way, the small editorial empire that Kirk launched in his early 20s is showing no sign of stopping, fighting the prevailing notion that print is dead. To tell us more about his journey and ambitions for the brand, Kirk, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Can I start by asking you, is that your real name? Ricky Richards. Ricky Richards. It is, it's it a bloody is. good name.
0: Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, um, it's actually Ricky Lee is my first name, hyphenated. Ricky Lee. Right. Yeah, and uh, I often get asked if I'm Richard Richards, but right, my mom wasn't quite as cruel.
1: Okay, yeah. Ricky Lee Richards. <laughs> wow, I like it. Thank you. My great. little sister's
0: called Pixie or Pixie. Pixie Lee.
1: So Pixie Richards. Yeah, great.
0: Um, just to start off, I, I kind of wanted to let you know why I asked you to be on today because sure, you know it's I have so many people on. You mentioned earlier we've had some great guests, but when I picked up uh, journal, right. The first thing that kind of stood out to me is that this is like a really quality product, that yeah. you've got absolutely, or I believe, fantastic taste, that there's a real attention to detail in it, yeah. um, that the journalism, unlike most publications, tends to focus on historical elements as well as the now and the future, Yeah, and... Um, I just got a sense that you were probably instinctively quite business savvy as well as being a creative. And then obviously I saw you in your photo at the front of it and I was like, I want to get to know this person. Right. And, you know, the benefit of having a podcast. So uh, there we are. That's, I guess, why I was really, really interested in you. And to start off, I just thought we could maybe be really easy. And I know this is something you've covered a million times. But what was the journey and what, uh, you know, how did it start?
1: So, um, journal um started i guess you could say from a very young age very far from here up in leicestershire and uh i started keeping a journal when i was about 15 16 and i kept it for years oh god i'd write some crap in there you know uh whatever i was up to at school girls i was mucking around with or whatever and it was just an outlet it was just a way for me to write and i, I started to sort of discover that i i really enjoyed writing and it was it was a way for me to sort of Empty my thoughts, if you like, and so came what what side out as a, my first uh, fiction. So I did a fiction, and it was bloody crap. Oh my! And uh, I, I did my first fiction, and then I, I wrote another one. I did a third, and then I did my fourth. And at this point, I was living in London. I moved to London uh, when I just turned nineteen. So we're going back. God, about seven, eight years ago now when I first moved to London. My ex at the time, Holly, she lived in Fitzrovia and uh, I was spending a lot of time around here and getting to know the neighbourhoods. And when that kind of broke off, I, uh, I was still writing. and My uh, last fiction, which I've still not managed to find the time to do anything with, was set around here. So I, uh, working at Liberty at the time, uh, I was doing that and finished it. And uh, I'd learnt so much about the neighbourhoods while writing that fiction and uh, it's for anyone to sort of say whether they think it's any good I had a great time writing it but I learned so much about this place and I just felt like my creative hands were becoming a bit bare and I I wanted to do something again being me I've always got to be doing something you know. So uh, I pulled together some people that uh, were good friends some fantastic photographers um, some fantastic illustrators, a uh, very talented designer, and um, said to people, "Look, you know, I want us to put together a uh, a publication. I didn't really know what it was going to be called at this time. I was trying out like the Fitzrovia Gazette, the Fitzrovia, whatever. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I have no shame in saying at all that I'm pretty sure it's a bit embarrassing that I was sitting on the toilet and the name Fitzrovia Journal came to me." And uh, that was just it. And uh, it kind of went from there. And my job at the time was great at Liberty. I I was so proud to work there. Great place. And um, I started the magazine, kind of really started at the end of 2013. And uh, as the ideas came out and the people started coming forward that were going to be featured in that first issue, it became very, very real. You know, you're you're talking about there's now articles, there's shoots going on. We're talking about how is this thing going to look? How is it going to feel? What's the paper going to be? Is it going to be paper? Are we just going to do it online? And of course it's in print. And um, then we launched the first issue. And uh, there was just this feeling of, you know, this feels really right. I'm doing this and I'm having a bloody good time. And, you know, work was what it was. It was all right. But uh, I decided to just focus on the journals full time. And I've been doing it for nearly four years now.
0: So just to kind of dig into that a little bit. So you had this amalgamation of uh, creative friends who came together. Have they have they stayed on board? And I, I know you mentioned that you started out when you were particularly young with this, and that you had yeah. a number of hurdles with that. Could you maybe talk into that a little bit and explain what what you sure. had to
1: overcome? So I was twenty one when the idea was kind of brewing, and that was well, that was when I just finished that fiction, my fourth one, and it was completely unpublished. And um, I was trying to sort of think about you know what what this was going to be because essentially what we're talking about is some sort of uh, a product, a, a commercial product, although I probably didn't call it that at the time. I was just like, you know, in retrospective, I was just a kid who wanted to put a magazine out. So I, I just pulled together mates who I believe were genuinely talented, and many of which I still work with and collaborate on a regular basis today. And, you know, maybe they'll do something on one issue and they might not the next, or maybe they'll do a load of stuff. But, um, you know, it, it was really tough trying to put together a magazine i mean the people i told that i was going to do it they genuinely were like you're mad you know why why would you try and start a, a print publication especially free now and um you know there wasn't really this feeling when talking to people um there wasn't really this feeling that they felt like you could probably do it and uh Bloody hell, even I didn't think I could. But the magazine came out and we launched um, the first, as it was then called, Fitzrovia Journal in 2014 in the April and people just went crazy for it. There were some brilliant people that came along and um, one person that we featured in the first issue was uh, Griff Rhys-Jones, the TV presenter. And Griff's kind of been a neighbour now and sort of accidental mentor, if you like, in the beginning. And um, he really taught me what it kind of, means, you know, to I guess you could say to have a London village, the idea of sort of how an area like this could be a village in the middle of the city. And I'm from like a small rural village. So I kind of saw a lot of similarities, if you like, between a village like this and maybe somewhere in the Midlands or the north. And it's just kind of gone from there really. And of course now we've we've done the same in other different areas and journals starting to expand. Talking about the
0: actual product itself. Yeah. It seems to me that you defy, uh, yeah, you defy uh, a lot of conventions. So yeah. the 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 title at the top of the magazine isn't huge. The covers aren't uh, you know bright yeah. and bombastic in order to grab your attention necessarily. Obviously, uh, I'm sure the the design is, is still beautiful. But yeah, um, you know, what is your philosophy when it comes to the magazine itself?
1: If you pick up that magazine, you should always be picking up something that makes you feel something. And with journal, you know, we want to create a product at all times that you don't think is free. But maybe when you pick it up, you think, you know, shit, this is this is free. I can take this. And plenty of our stockists say that all around here. You know, I, I have a number of our stockists um, saying still that there are people today who will take it to the counter and ask if they can buy it. Like, no, man, it's free. You can You <laughs> can take that home, which is great. I mean, we'll never charge for it. And that's what part of the brand is all about. It, it's a free publication. When you pick that up, if you live in Soho or you frequent Soho, you uh, you work there or you work up here in Fitzrovey or Bloomsbury or wherever we go to next, you should pick it up and you should kind of, when you look at it and you read through it and see the content, you should kind of look at it and think, you know what, that's what I think of when I think of this area. You know, it should feel substantial and it should feel sort of reflective of the place in which you pick it up.
0: Just to talk as well about the content of the magazine, so yeah. i 'm guessing in the early days it relied on a lot of free contributions and uh, in terms of the illustration and editorial photography, uh, I know you 're a bit of a polymath yourself, but how um, you know does does the magazine still require a lot of kind of free uh, people to to get involved with
1: it it depends it depends you know I mean. Anything in life, you might try it once or twice, even three, four times. If you get something out of it, you know someone might come along and work with us every now and then. And they might do a few pieces or do a shoot because we just want to try the relationship. Because at the end of the day, if you ain't having a good time and we're not enjoying working together, there's no fucking point. So we'll get someone working with us, and uh, if if we're in, if it's if it's, if it's sort of a mutually beneficial relationship, and they're enjoying shooting for us, and uh, you know we're enjoying. Sort of the hot, the the synergy, then we'll keep doing. It. I mean, there's a photographer I've started working with in the past year who is God. He's such a legend. That man. Uh, it's called Joseph Lynn. Who is um, he's so talented, Northern boy, and we've started doing these shoots together. But the thing is, with Joe, he's very he's a very good photographer, very good people's person, as are you know all the photographers we work with because they're all very sort of documentary style, I guess you could say. Uh, but Joe, he he kind of goes, you know. I I think about featuring this person uh, what do you think and you just kind of get we got this friendship going on where we kind of I know that he what he can do with the person when he instantly mentions them, and the same with Etienne Gilfillan, who's our associate editor. You know, he's a fantastic photographer, and Etienne will just be like, "Kirk, I've got this great idea about this person I want to feature," and you know, he's he's doing these freaking pet series things for the for the magazine, and he shows me these pictures, and I I just can't, like they're amazing. But I can't stop laughing because I've just got this image of him there taking a picture of a cat or a dog, and I think he said he's shooting some parrots next week <laughs> it's just like you know we're trying to put up actually at the minute a bit of a comic spin on the mags as well because i think it is very serious face journal and you know it's very minimalistic but we want to kind of show the cheeky humor behind it which i think makes it so great and you know we experimented a bit with that in the recent issues and people love it so we're just going to see where that goes
0: with regards to the content itself something i mentioned in the intro is the fact that you tend to focus not only on the the here and now and the future but also what's come before yeah um you know what was the the reason behind you deciding to kind of venture into the past of places
1: i think you obviously all the areas we feature they they're defined the way they are right now but they've all the thing is about this part of town in London and anywhere else in the world, like Paris or New York or wherever, is that there's this real sort of artistic past and present, I guess, as well. And it, it's interesting looking at some of the people that, you know, were stomping around here sort of two, three hundred years ago. I mean, not that I would compare myself to this person at all, but I was doing a feature about a chap called uh, Matthew Sturgis, who's the husband's of um, the gallerist Rebecca Hossack. And I'm at Matthew's house and he's he's writing a book about uh, Oscar Wilde at the moment. He's been writing it since I met him. You know, He's, he's been writing for about seven years. Right. Another book about Oscar Wilde, bless him. And uh, he's like, Kirk, you do know that uh, Oscar Wilde started a magazine about Fitzrovia once, don't you? And I was like, shit. That's a bit weird, isn't it? You know, th- there's, there's so much that's gone on in all these different areas. I mean, you could produce... You could in- produce probably an entire magazine on of its own just about the historical past of... or the bohemian past of Soho, for example. There's just so much there, so much to dig up. And I should probably mention that, you know, when the, when the first one came out, the Fitzrovia one, I kind of did scratch my head and think, maybe I'll only have enough content for, like, a year or two. But, man, we are busy. There's just so much to write about. But I, I'm very interested about the sort of... You know, the past in comparison to the the now and the future and whatnot and because an area like this it is constantly changing. It's like skin, you know, it just it just keeps evolving all the time. <laughs> you know, I mean in some ways Fitzrovia is like a lizard, you know, it, it sheds a skin every couple of months and it, it's it's constantly just changing and adapting to its environment in this sort of chameleon like way. But isn't that what's sort of so wonderful about London and the people that make it up? You know, it's just constantly evolving and adapting to the times.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, talking about the people that you, you know, that make Fitzrovia what it is. Yeah. Um, one thing that you, you do uh, is you throw events uh, after the yeah. release of every issue. and. I've just wondered, you know, what kind of energy is brought out of bringing all these kind of creative people together and what what has been the result of that and why did you do it in the first place? Right.
1: Well, I think people is the biggest driving point behind what Journal's all about since day one when we started out with the first mag. You know, the people in these parts of the city and all over London is what make this place so amazing. And, um, you know... We do launch events almost on a biannual basis now for the mags. We can't do three, soon to be, you know, five, six, seven launch events for all these different magazines every three months. I don't know about you. I can't party that much. I'll I'll be on the floor. But, you know, they are so special when you get in excess of 400 people together in a room coming and going, you know, not 400 all at once, but it's so special getting all those people together. And they don't have to; they could just go home or go to the gym or go home to whoever. But they, the fact that we put out an invitation to come along and to celebrate what journal is all about every f- three months, and that you know the last the last one we did, I was, I was, I was just laughing to myself, I was pinching myself because it was pissing with rain on the 17th of May and we did it at the larger over at Pearson Square who we've got a long term sort of uh, partnership going on with their fantastic over their open house and um, you know get there setting up and sponsor Sipsmiths in the corner kind of getting things going and I was like man I don't even want to be here you know it, it's just it, look at it outside like I'm wearing these like suede boots and they're like black and they're brown because of the rain and um gets to six o'clock i was like oh, i'll have a gin and tonic you know and sort of the magazines are laid out etienne's turning up taking some pictures by 6 30 the place was sh- pretty much getting shoulder to shoulder and I, I it's just it just shows the spirit of what these you know london villages are all about people care they, they they don't have to but it's the people that make these magazines if no one picked them up or no one gave it down we wouldn't have a brand
0: yeah, I think that's uh, you know it's nice because it's almost like you're creating a movement in and of itself when you bring these people together.
1: Yeah, we've you, we've started a journal revolution. Yeah, well you
0: <laughs> you know it's uh, you're writing your own uh, brand into into the history of the place that you're trying to document, which is nice.
1: Now that's that's interesting. I think what you said there, you know. Um, I guess you could say, you know, because they all, you know, these all have a an ISSN now. These are part of the British Library. They aren't the, the brand ever stops. They don't. They're they're part of the bookshelf, if you like, and people can pick them up and sort of reference them however they like. But yeah, I, I, I guess I guess as you do create a mag like that, and especially Fitzrovia now, it's been around for fourteen issues. You know, it it does become that local mag that people go, hey, have you uh, have you read the Fitzrovia mag or you know, I suppose it does. You know, and, and obviously these areas they, they could just hate it, but the fact that they like it is isn't too bad either.
0: Real bonus. <laughs> yeah. In the second segment of the interview, I wanted to discuss the business side of the magazine. As a free publication with high production costs, advertising revenue is likely a key facet to the sustainability and growth of the brand. I wanted to explore the details and uncover Kirk's approach to reaching advertisers when the overwhelming amount of ad spend is transitioning to digital formats where brands can track the effectiveness of their ad spend. Yeah, lovely. Uh, we'll carry on, sorry. <laughs> so, um, with all the different ways of actually distributing
1: content yeah. today, why why a magazine? Why a magazine? Um, the thing is about a magazine is it's... It's kind of like a person, really. It's, it's like a... It, I don't know. It, it The thing is about why I wanted to do it was that, you know, that I think I've always liked things and physical things. And as much as I do use my mobile phone and I do use my camera or my laptop, whatever, you know, I like to collect stuff. And now, as you can imagine, I've got a flat full of print stuff. And... I truly believe that you know these magazines, which are like people. They age and they sort of they they grow with and with time and they adapt and you know the people can really pick them up and love them. And you can't appreciate the design of a product or, or, or sort of the. I, I think I think what I'm trying to say is that you can tell such a story when you lay out a profile on somebody or talk about a business when it's laid out in front of you on paper. You can see it online, and you know our online presence is pretty big as well, but. I really believe that it's just... People want it. They want to pick it up and take it home. And, you know, I'm sure some people do throw them away. I mean, they can't all keep them. But there's a lot of people I know to read these magazines who keep them and collect all of them. And it's just... it People just want that, you know? I mean, it's something tangible. It's there. And you can't get away from it. We make sure, you know, it's, they're in sort of pretty all, all of the restaurants and cafes and hotels and office environments in the area, you know. D- digging into that a little bit. So you, you chose to go on
0: a, a freemium model, or yeah. if that's how you would describe it. Um, I, you know, that that requires that you're uh, supported by advertising. And is that the only way that you look to actually uh, get funding to produce the magazine? And also on that subject, like how do you actually get the distribution to all these places? Is it a case of literally walking in or...
1: Well, um, I do a lot of the distribution myself, actually, and um, there's these amazing uh, bikes that have been sort of made uh, these past few years, which are called uh, Christiana bikes, and uh, I will rent one of those out from up in Camden um, every few months when the magazine comes out, and I'll go and take them all around myself. Now, let me tell you, you have to be in bloody good shape to do that. You know, seven thousand magazines or ten thousand, like we distribute. So I don't, even, I don't know if you've ever seen ten thousand magazines, but it's a lot, man. It's a lot, and getting them all out on one of those bikes, it's very good cardio. But once you get them to the the hotels, you do five hundred here or you do five hundred there. You know, you you get out. Two and a half thousand in an hour, which is just mad. It's just lots of lifting, the cycling bits, the easy bit. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is the distribution I always thought from the beginning is very important. It's got to be very personal. And, you know, it's... When I'm taking these magazines around to places, and yeah, some people in the magazine that work with me, they do help as well. When we take those round, they're always like, yeah, the new issue. What? Who's in it this time? Who's on the cover? Who's he? Who's she? What's this? What's that? And I love that. And, you know, we are probably going to start working with a distributor in the future. But I will be working very closely with them to ensure that we get it right. Because I think that is why the magazine is as successful as it is because that we show that we give a crap you know we go around and we physically take you the magazine and give it, it to you and um, a lot of distributors they there's a lot of places they just can't get these magazines of this ilk in you know there's various sorts of you know members clubs and whatnot in soho or hotels up here or shops that won't take magazines but because we we know them and have those personal relationships and kind of just earn each other's respect they're like you know yeah of course we'll take your magazine there's plenty of places I'd probably say a good 20-25% of our brilliant stockists who we are the only free magazine that they take and they take it because they respect it and they like it and you know that's
0: so so that plays into the idea that you know keep the production uh, high in terms of the uh, production standard and that you know, people will support it based on yeah, its merits.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think you can't fool people. You can't fool a readership like this. They'll see through it. If you put it out there on a sort of 50 GSM paper, which translates like toilet paper, you <laughs> know, and and, and uh, whack some face on the cover and call it nice or call it call it the great magazine, they're not going to believe it. You know, you have to show them that you really give a damn. And, you know, silly things like we we shoot all of our content we get plenty of PR firms that will send you a Dropbox link of 50 images of a, uh, a restaurant. But we always insist, you know, we shoot our own pictures just because we want the content to feel consistent throughout. I mean, there, there are magazines out there that, you know, not to name any here, where you could see that they've just dropped stuff in that was sent to them. and But it kind of looks like a bit of a mess, you know. I mean no
0: no need to convince me on that front, because when I pick this up, I think it's an absolutely beautiful uh you know artifact that you create, yeah, the more difficult people to convince are the advertisers and the people mm. you know a lot of advertising money is transitioned over to digital because they're able to track it, and as it's a free distribution and you rely on that ad that ad money, yeah, um, how do you manage to convince these the ad buyers that it's worthy of? them to put their their stuff in there.
1: Well, paid advertising isn't really something that we do. I mean, we do have advertising in the magazine, but we don't call it that. What we have is brand partnerships, and that's what leads journal. And they are in place with anything from uh, different hotels in this part of town, uh, beauty brands, uh, men's, women's, fashion labels, um, different restaurant groups. And those essentially are, and this is what a lot of magazines are doing now. You know, We call ours partnerships or bespoke partnerships. Uh, a lot of magazines are doing vaguely similar things. And essentially we put under uh, sort of an agreement a, a series of editorial and a series of ad space and events and paid content and that works kind of for both parties we're only doing stuff that we really believe in and we never write in our magazine advertorial which i is a word i really don't like to use i mean it's stuff that we would probably we we want we would already do it but it means that we both work together and we both get something out of it they get a great audience we get a great magazine and we all work together it works for both i mean events like i described earlier on in our conversation like at the Larder, are hugely successful for open house that's a great way for them to reach out to the local audience and showcase this wonderful space that they've got over there in Pearson Square to the local area. So it, it's sort of, you know, if if uh, so, you work on win wins. Yeah, I mean, if if Mark, the owner of the garage round the corner, came in and said, uh, "I'm uh, I'm turning my garage into a." Uh, Oh god, I don't know. So okay, I can't I can't th- I can't think of an idea but something that just wouldn't be journal like but you know w- we'd like to pay to do something with you if I really didn't feel like it was going to work for Mark for this guy, you know, or for us, then what's the point? On the subject of it,
0: you know, the the visuals in the mag it's a kind of top and tail of the magazine yeah. of these the what you would call your brand partnerships. Yeah. Do do they uh, do the advertisers provide the images for that? And it, does it ever frustrate you if something doesn't quite feel right?
1: No, we're, we're very picky. I mean, it's a bit of a mix. I mean, we do produce some artwork ourselves, but I'd say good ninety percent of it is all produced by the brands themselves because they've already got some amazing design department. But you know, there you know there are instances where we've been sent something over and we're just like, you know, we don't feel like you're probably going to get out of this what you'd probably need if we if we run that so maybe we should tweak this tweak that it's it's going to work for both or it's just not going to work so we always ensure that it's sort of you know right for both parties
0: I see with your online presence that there's kind of a real opportunity with regards getting into the nerd side of it with SEO because yeah. you're so area specific that and you've got all this great content coming out month after month that of course it will surface when people google these certain areas of London yeah um Without being overcritical, I feel like the online presence isn't quite as up to snuff as the actual physical product.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, print has always been the big focus for us, and kind of because it's out there, you know, and the events out there that we do are happening. The print, I mean, it's the online side of things, um, we are about to sort of invest in, and we are about to sort of monetize it. We're actually about to go through uh, a vigorous. I don't don't want to use the word vigorous. We're about to go through an expansion. And uh, part of that will mean we will change online. We will offer a uh, subscriber package to readers. For example, you know, people love Soho. It's a a worldwide destination, Soho. And there's plenty going on in that area that people maybe won't want to read about. So if they want to subscribe to it and receive the magazine on the other side of the world, they can. And... um, but the online side of thing, we're starting to step into it, um, partly will be the introduction of a newsletter uh, and trying to sort of work out how can we do something online that is completely unique and completely different to what we do in print. Because as you probably noticed, what's online is just what's in print. But, you know, we've got this absolute catalogue of amazing content now that we've built up over four years. It's just ridiculous, actually, how much content we've got. And I think it's it's really time for us to kind of begin showcasing that. Like I don't know, we go we do something like a newsflash. Someone featured on this day three years ago or <laughs> featured in November 2015 or Martin Freeman, the actor, for example. I, I, don't, I don't know, something like that. But we're trying to think on it. But Prince always being the focus. But I think I'm a bit old fashioned in some ways, I guess you could say. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. And uh, the online side of things is great. But I think it could be so much better. So,
0: well, you look at publications like Vice, which was, you know, I've I feel like the first time I picked up a Vice, I was a kid and I collected them because I was like, these these are just amazing as a designer, as a creative myself, and. You know, they they invested quite heavily in their online presence and look where they are today. Yeah. Uh, I, to some degree, I got a little bit of a similar experience, albeit I'm slightly older and probably less trendy than I was back then. When I picked up your magazine, I was like, there's a real opportunity with this. I see yeah. something exciting. Um, moving on from that a little bit, just uh, uh, yeah. I'm curious to know if this kind of played into your, your mindset or when you look to create the magazine. I recently heard a story with Jason Calacanis, who is an American venture capitalist in in Silicon Valley. And before uh, doing what he's doing today, he actually had a magazine. And he said that the reason that he got into it was because he always used to think that the people on the front covers of magazines were powerful. But then he realised that the person behind the magazine who put the person on the cover was actually more powerful, the person that could in some way dictate those things. And... For you, you've kind of briefly touched on why you put content in the magazine, but how does that position of power play into your life nowadays? And I don't mean that to to sound sinister, but you know, um, how has your life changed as a result of starting this thing?
1: Um, wow, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's been an incredibly sort of odd transition from going from being the guy on the shop floor at Liberty. To being the guy who owns this series of magazines because i i like to think at least i'm humble i mean you can have an opinion but you know i'm quite chilled out but i find what I, what freaks me out is that i'll go to some restaurant or something like that in fact here's an example i was out for breakfast this morning with the guy, I'm sort of dating and um i got the bill and the guy said oh I know your face from somewhere. And I said, Oh, right. right. And I know it, that means he's probably seeing one of the magazines. That kind of thing, it, it, it does freak you out a little bit. But that's obviously a conscious choice. But it's kind of, I find it very interesting when we do like these launch events because you get some people coming and talking to you about some fantastic ideas. And they, uh, I feel like, you know, sometimes they're talking to you almost like you've got some kind of political status you know sort of like what is your opinion on this or what what are you going to do to try and help this and I don't know what to say sometimes you know but I am quite aware that you know these magazines they you know people do pick them up and they read them and have an interest in them so we're trying to always sort of create something that you know really it's quite a targeted audience but we're trying to always be trying you know be as diverse as we can i mean we'll if we have an issue come out we'll if we if we feature two guys we'll probably have two girls or if we have an issue where we feature all girls the next issue will probably have uh, like three guys in it and one girl for example you know but my my life has changed a lot i th- i think what happens in becoming self employed is that you know it it's like it's like being i i can't, I can't explain it's been incredibly it's been an incredible experience, and uh, it's a, an ongoing experience. I mean, obviously, having the motivation to get up every single day um, and just do it, it it ain't easy, because there are days where you really don't want to. And um, in my old job, I knew I had to be at work every day for about nine. So I'd get a coffee on the way to Liberty, and I'd get on with it. But, you know, if I choose not to get up in the morning at a certain time the brand doesn't get up in the morning so kirk lays in bed and journal stays in bed with him and uh it, it's i don't know i mean I, I love doing what i do i remember there was a time in february um, 2014 where i think i had about a week or two weeks off work and those two weeks i was really full on with starting the first fitzrovia channel and i think a lot of the shoots the big shoots happened that those those weeks and i was getting up every day like you know half five six or whatever and getting on with it and i remember thinking i quite like this and me i'm quite persistent with anything you know if i want to do something i'm probably going to give it a go and try and as i always say make it happen you know and i'll really give it a go but i just i just love what i do so to get up every morning and do it it's fantastic in the final
0: section of the interview I wanted to dig deeper to find out more about Kirk and his aspirations. As is often the case when you build an audience, the downside is that you can sometimes become beholden to your readership. And as someone whose project is so London-centric, I wanted to know if this or anything else affects him day to day.
1: Well, the first is coffee, um, which I'd be pretty useless without. In fact, I'm trying to cut down... I go through spells of things now, I... I go through days where I have one and I have palpitations for the rest of the day, or I get through about nine cups of coffee and I'm I'm still like right, let's go, 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 go. Um, but what gets me out of bed every day? Um, when it's your gig and you know you've got this thing that you've um, you've started to put your your life into, you know why wouldn't you? You know, I I loved my old job and jobs previous to that, but this is something that is mine, and my baby, if you like, to be cheesy, and uh, I've given I've given a lot up to do it, I guess you could say, I mean, like, there's so many of my mates right now that are in frickin' Ibiza, or they're off to um, Fringe Festival up in Edinburgh, and there isn't one bit of me that wouldn't like to jump on a plane or sit on a train for four hours to get myself to Edinburgh and see what's going on. But I've got to keep doing this. And, uh, you know, I am admittedly, I'm only 25, I'm 26 in a few weeks. And but it's just having the chance to do this now where, you know, when I I really feel I've got the energy to do it, because when I'm, you know, 35, I might have had enough. (laughs) You know, I, I really I really don't know. How old are you?
0: I'm 27. 27. No, I'm 27 in September. I, I forget how old I am because, yeah. like you, I'm pretty uh, focused and I get up every yeah. day and just do my thing.
1: I feel old. Yeah. I do. But I, I think, you know, I, I just I just love doing it. And every day is different. You know, there are some days that really get up your nose and you really wish things had gone a different way or, or whatever. But it's always kind of part of the journey. You know, it, things... Always have a way of kind of, um, sort of working out, and every every issue comes together, and there's nothing better than uh, when those magazines arrive and you open up the first box and you take out the first issue and you just go, man, that was worth it. I remember when the first issue of um, Fitzrovia came out, I. Uh, I got, I got the first one uh, in the box and uh, I'm not ashamed to say I did have a little tear. I was a bit weird, really weird about it. I was like, I've done
0: it. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. It's nice.
1: It was so strange. Uh, it was like, God, that's got my name in it. And I knew where every mistake was or whatever. And it, it was amazing. And even more so, people liked it. It was great. But it, it's all very rewarding. Do you feel that
0: um, the fact that it's very London-centric, this yeah. is something I experience with the podcast because, you know, the more I build the audience and the more popular it gets, yeah. I'm beholden to the audience to some degree. And, for example, this amazing setup that I've got yeah. here, I wouldn't get this elsewhere. Um, so, you know, I'm reliant on remaining in, in London. And is that something that feels... You've kind of briefly mentioned you couldn't go up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival because you're doing this. Does it feel... Rest- can you see yourself transitioning at some point, or do you think that this is it now?
1: Oh definitely no i can't I can't do this forever. This is a phase, if you like. I've been doing it for nearly four years, and you know i i I'm starting to sound like I don't have a life. I promise i do um <laughs> i I, uh, I do plenty of day trips and whatnot and nip off to Leicestershire to see family and whatnot and uh have fun in between but um you know uh I, I, we're going we're starting to kind of go through an expansion now and uh, the question i get a lot with the individuals i'm working with now is like where do you see it in three years five years and you know you can always have this picture of where you think it's going to go but i i can't really say right now i mean if you were to ask me off the top of my head i'd say we'd have x amount of magazines in london with um, the intention of maybe doing somewhere like New York or Paris or something like that or Berlin, but I would probably stay involved as a as a consultant. However, me being me, I'm I just I have to be doing something. I, you could give me all the money in the world, and I just wouldn't want to lay in bed. I just I want to be doing something. I uh, you know I, I really I really enjoy sort of speaking. To people and hearing what they've got to say about their lives and hearing their stories. And it's that drive and it's that sort of curiosity and fascination about people that really made me ever want to write when I was really young. And I I was just, I was always fascinated by people. Why do people do such crazy things? Why do we do such brilliant things? Such mad like you know i, I just I, I don't know it was always just trying to it was it was it's always been a journey of self-discovery and sort of um an education about sort of life you know i, I didn't go to university uh, i did three weeks and kind of quit but i feel like what i've done with um journal that's been my education i've learned i i, I, I suppose i i've changed so much doing it you know it really wises you up
0: talking about how you've changed and your persona and your profile and how you've evolved Uh, you are particularly uh, well presented online and I think uh, for someone who isn't so good at self-promotion and who isn't very good at kind of leveraging what assets they've got and that kind of thing could you speak to people who uh, could you maybe offer them some advice for how they can actually get themselves off the ground and start to to piece together this persona and on top of that, I'd like it if you could talk into the fact that when we actually curate this image, oftentimes it's very misleading for people to They look at you and maybe think that you're superhuman in some capacity. Um, whereas, what are some of the real struggles that you've had over the years You know that other people may not know about from purely your public persona?
1: Right. I think other people's doubts really... It ain't easy sometimes. I think in the beginning, I think uh, the people I was talking to about, like Journal, every single day were those I kind of worked with at Liberty. and You know, some of which I'm really good mates with still to this day, and some they were just colleagues and we don't really speak anymore. But there wasn't really this belief that it could be done. And when it did come out, no one said shit. It was just, that's yours. That's It's a physical thing. You, it's not on a website, well, it was, but, you know, it, it's it's it, it's a physical thing and it was everywhere. And um, I, I think the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, is you just, there's no point in sort of thinking about what other people might think. If you really genuinely believe that you feel like you should be doing something, like if you want to start taking pictures and you want to try and work as a freelancer, then do it. And if it fucks up, then start again. Do something else. At least you ha- can say you had a good time, a bad time. But it's just about giving it a go. And in terms of sort of, you say, presenting yourself online, um, it, it's, it's the same. It's like, well, what what if, you know, it doesn't matter what Where, more about what you care about.
0: For a lot of people, they lack this kind of self-confidence and that, that ability to just say, do you know what, fuck what other people think. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. Where did you discover that, you know? It's unusual for someone to be... Uh, you say 25 right now and to have accomplished what you've done um you're quite clearly very well spoken you understand the business side of it you know there must have been some form of transition in your life when you went from the goofy guy who's going on holidays to the person that knows his stuff oh i'm
1: still the goofy guy yeah oh really behind all this um no i guess um if you want to go deeper fine um My upbringing wasn't the easiest, if I'm honest, Um, had a very troubled relationship with my mum growing up, not to go too much into it. And uh, I was kind of being put through a lot of shit. And um, I, I had to learn to grow up very quickly. And uh, I just became, I just, I just matured quickly, you know, and I just kind of got on with it. And, you know, I, I did so much stupid crap in my teens. And, you know my earlier 20s and well, I'm still in my early 20s you know but even now I still get up to whatever but it's just you just I don't know really I, I there was no on button I just kind of I've I am what I am I've been fully independent since I was about 18 and before that I was pretty much doing everything on my own as well and it just teaches you this respect for other people and what you have yourself and you know i do truly believe you only kind of gets out of something what you put into it and i've put a lot into this and i've worked very hard for it and still do today you know i don't go to bed until it's done kind of thing well i go to bed about ten thirty, but you get the point but uh you know it's it's you know it's 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 something that i've worked for and, and built up and uh, i think we're all very much shaped by our experiences and when i was younger you know, it wasn't that relaxed. And I just kind of went, well, I'm going to go out there and try and give it a go. And it could have gone wrong. And at times it did go very wrong. And I think I've learned more from my mistakes. Well, I say mistakes, from the sorts of things that didn't go too well, you know, than maybe the things that did go very well. Because the things that do go really well make you go, ah, oh, I can have a day off. But when it's, you know, when the rough gets going, so to speak, you really, you learn very quickly. Because if you've got to do something then you're going to do it. And it's, it all comes down to in life sort of having shelter, foods and water. And if you need to work to have those basic amenities in life, then you're going to do it.
0: I think that's a really, really a good way to end almost, but we've got a few more questions. <laughs> so last one before I get into the quick fire. Um, you've already created this this magazine, which, you know, long after you're gone, this thing will, will exist. I'm curious to know, you know, what is the thing that you would love to, to put your stamp on on the day uh, you p- uh, regrettably pass? You know, is it this magazine or is there something in the back of your mind that you would love to have accomplished before that
1: day? Well, I firstly hope I've got a good few years in me, you know, um, at... I've wanted to publish a fiction for a very long time. The last um, thing I finished writing, which is called *The Writer, the Villain, and the Stone*, uh, which is you know what kind of set in motion journal, I loved writing it, and um, I think it would require a lot of work to kind of get it to the next stage. And I now know as a publisher how hard it is to get stuff out there, and especially a fiction. You know, if you put a fiction on the shelf, it doesn't matter if you're published with penguin or vintage or whatever you're not going to make big bucks out of doing it unless you're
0: but what you're you're lucky in the sense that you've got an audience or you're starting to establish one
1: true true um i i would like to go back to fiction there's uh there's something about fiction that is um it's so wonderful and i've started again recently sort of putting together a, a few ideas for a project i'm kind of when i do get an hour or two to myself which is usually like sunday evening you know in the evening i'll try and Put some words down. It just, it just comes out, and I, I still keep a, my own journal today. You know what happens on a day to day basis, and I have been doing now for the best part of ten years. And um, you know, I might speak to you like this, but uh, when I put, the, when I take the pen out and I start to put it down onto paper, it's. It's it's almost like you just close your eyes and just move your hand around because you might as well be really because I look back at what I'm writing and I read it to myself and I'm like, I didn't even know that was there. You know, you a problem or an insecurity or something going on in your life, a stress or something that made you laugh. Just jumps out onto the paper, and that's what's so magical about, for me at least, creative writing. I I love writing the stuff I write for the journals, writing about some of the amazing individuals and businesses that make up our, you know, these these wonderful parts of town. You know, I I love writing about them all the time, but it's there's something brilliant about sitting down and writing a fiction. And uh, I've only ever written sort of like drama. I've never written, you know, or, or I've I've only ever written like dramas and thrillers. I've never been interested by like. Fantasy or whatever. I'm not a J.K. Rowling, you know. I'm, but there's something about sort of taking something which has maybe happened in in real life and um changing it a little bit or adding the spark to the situation to create a narrative. And uh, I really miss that. It's like a, it's like not having oxygen.
0: So that's something you're going to hold your hat on one day. Yeah,
1: I, I'd lo- I, I really want to come back to it, but. Right now, once I've got the time and the energy, I'm I'm kind of focusing on the brand. Because we never know, Apple might launch a product tomorrow that everyone wants to get their hands on and, you know, look at, you know, something. I, I don't know. It, it, yeah. it's, hap- it's like it's happening now. So people are keen on journal now. And there's a lot of amazing publications out there that are doing well. So it's kind of like, we'll catch it now and it works and we'll evolve and we'll try and evolve it with the time, I guess.
0: Just to get into some quick fires before I ask you the final, final question of today. Yeah. So, if you had to recommend three places to visit in London, what three
1: places come to mind? Three places. Three places what? Uh, Restaurants. Just places in general. Yes. Okay. um, Man, that's really hard. Well, to be
0: honest, the reason I ask this is because you're an expert on the area and I just want to
1: know where to eat. That's that's, That's so hard. That's really, really hard. Okay, you want my quiet... Sort of top three, yeah, in not in, in no particular order at all. Uh, one of my favorite places to go and has been for a good five or six years is the Riding House Cafe, which I had breakfast in this morning, which I probably visit at least once or twice a week. It's one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. Um, my that so that's probably one of my favorite restaurants, not because the food is better or whatever than anywhere else, but it's just it's a good place to sit and have a drink with your mates and have some food. The staff are fantastic in terms of coffee, which I get through a lot or tea uh there's a number of them, but there's one that I kind of uh, I like to think as being my sort of secret favorite, which is probably the espresso room on uh great Ormond street and um when I can i i do try and sort of escape there i mean you know seven in the morning get there ready sitting there in the winter and we've had a frost with a cup of coffee and your laptop on your knee and sit there shivering and it's it's just it's lovely to go there and just chill It's, it's a lovely little environment it's it's the it's such a small space but they've got all these huge benches that they put outside on the street so they kind of bring the cafe out to you And So that's enough about cafes and restaurants. And then another place that I'm very fond of is my friend uh, Rebecca Hossack's gallery, um, namely the Conway Street Gallery, around the corner from my my flat and studio. It's just... uh, I've known Rebecca now for about four years, and she's brilliant. She's she's just balmy. And her and her husband, Matthew, have kind of taken their home and extended it into that gallery and their one on Charlotte Street and New York I've been to that one as well and it's just brilliant you know it, it's a wonderful gallery and I, I don't sort of pretend to know anything about art at all you know but I do love going to Rebecca's gallery and uh, sort of just walking around and looking at those walls it's very calming amazing or can there be a fourth I've i I've not said one go 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 Well, if there was a fourth or if just a place you must visit it is Liberty It is just, it's, it's just, I'm so happy now that I don't work there because now I can appreciate it as a customer on the other side of the counter. It's just wonderful. It really is. It's just, I remember when I was working there, there was was a lady who, she used to come in and I just said to her one day, this, this is only when I just started. So I was only like 20. I was like, hello, madam. How are you? And she's, I was like, she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And she said, I actually, I come here because I'm pregnant. And uh, I just find it so calming walking around. And I, not that I'm pregnant, but I feel like that I go there and I walk around. And yes, I do buy stuff, but it's just a wonderful environment to be in. Fascinating. Sorry, that was a bit long. No, so right, uh, well,
0: quick fire. That's a, a new, a new spin on it.
1: <laughs> man, um, it's like an orbit. Yeah, but book or learning resource. <laughs> book or learning resource. Yeah. Man, oh God. Uh, one of my favourite uh, magazines out there has got to be uh, Courier magazine uh, I met with them today actually we were talking um, and uh, you know it, it's just a, a fantastic publication that's put out there which is all about sort of start up culture in our wonderful city and now they're starting to expand I'm very happy for them um, and that for me is always a sort of uh, a really good little thing to sort of keep an eye on because they've got they put some fantastic stuff in there about what's going on in our city in a very different context of what we do but
0: amazing um favorite movie or documentary
1: no i just can't i can't even give a a, a favorite no. I, can, I can give you like a top 10 film <laughs> no i take. can just one, one you've watched
0: recently that caught your attention
1: uh, well the last film that i went to go see at cinema was dunkirk i saw it on release day at picture house central and it really did blow me away annoyingly christopher nolan's made another really good one there um I uh, I downloaded the soundtrack that morning and listened to it by Hans Zimmer and my god it's good turns out all of the uh, have, have you seen it? I have yes great all film all of the um, the ticking you hear in the soundtrack the, that is Christopher Nolan's uh, pocket watch wow. that uh, Hans Zimmer borrowed and made recordings from it's a very very good film He he's really done a, a great job of that but I, I couldn't give you a, a favourite film I'm a bit That's of a fine. film it's fine. fanatic fine. <laughs> I spend more time at the cinema than I do at home sometimes
0: good to know um so uh before i ask you the final 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 yeah. question where can people reach you um where can people get the next edition obviously they're all over london i assume and uh do you have any asks for the audience
1: right so you can find out about journal uh, online at journal-ldn.com or you can check out my instagram which is just my name at kirk truman same for twitter as well um the journals are available throughout the uh neighbors which they cover that list of stockists is available online for those and we next release again in uh, mid-september if i had to ask uh, the audience a question it would be your comments on journal and if there was a, a particular issue from any of the neighborhoods that you really liked what would it be
0: lovely nice question uh, so if you had to give uh this is my final final question yeah, by go the way for it. this is the deep one. So if you had to give the world one piece of advice to live a better and more meaningful life what would it
1: be? That's very hippy of you. I know, right? That's very hippie of you. Uh to, to live a better and meaningful life honestly become self-employed. Yeah, <laughs> I I I I, I, re- I really mean that. I re- I really do mean that. I mean uh I I mean it's not for everyone. It's bloody hard work but I I've discovered so much about myself since I've been self-employed and just it's just been an amazing journey. And I think what I'm trying to say with that is do something that you love every day. And if you don't love it, then don't fucking do it. <laughs> Qu- I think you know, just, <laughs> just get out, just get out of your job. I mean, I, I find it, you know, whenever I've been out on dates or whatnot, obviously I've, I've been on Tinder in the past and whatnot, you go out and meet some girl and, talking about i've met so many not just girls but people who are like this is my job yeah it's all right i don't love it or I, i hate it i'm like well why are you doing it then you've got to do that for 40 hours a week that's 40 hours of your week gone on think something you can't stand it's time to change man agreed agreed and i think it's the way the world's going bit
0: by bit more freelancers yeah, more we'll see we'll see more audience uh, support so yeah fingers crossed that's the endeavor with this as well so fingers crossed for go for, for it for, 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 for all of us you get there in the end i appreciate it thank you so um kirk thank you for coming on the show thank today. thank you very much for
1: having me really and, uh,
0: yeah until next time and everyone thank you for listening bye for now bye bye thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast if you enjoyed this episode please don't forget to subscribe and share I'd also like to invite you to an ongoing project called the Move Me Mailing List. If you enjoyed the show, I'm confident you'll enjoy this newsletter. It contains links to all the great content I've uncovered each month, along with insights of any interesting opportunities I've discovered. You can subscribe to this by visiting my website at rickyrichards.com. A special thanks to Frankie Byrne and James Utting. They're the tech heads that make this show possible. The intro music was composed by Dom Storrs Fox, and thanks again to Reese Chapman for introing me to Lou and Lizette, the wonderful folks at Factory Studios in London, where this show is recorded. Finally, wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a great day and keep creating. Until next time, bye for now.